Welcome to the Beyond the Box Horror Podcast. This is your host, David Kaplan. In this episode, I interview Coach Matt Griggs. Coach Griggs is the head men's basketball coach at Mary Baldwin University. Coach, how's it going? Hey, Coach, I'm doing good. Doing good. How's everything with you? I know you just got started down there in North Carolina not too long ago. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate that, man. I mean, I are, uh, definitely going to be, uh, you know, coaching them up this season. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm sure you're excited to be back in it and, and getting going with those guys. And now I know you guys aren't really doing much till, I guess, January, right? Is, that's right with the NJCAA. So we're actually allowed to this certain number of hours and then have open. Gym, so we're really doing uh, about a week now. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's, yeah, that's, that's certainly better than nothing. I know there's a lot of people out there that wish they could have that. that that's good. Yeah. I, I was, I was joke with our coaching staff. We probably use at least one of our hours per week on just protocols and cleaning and all that. Yeah. I, I hear you. I hear you. We're all, we're all fighting those and the masks and everything, but you know, it's, it's almost like, hey, whatever you tell us you want us to do so that we can practice when we're allowed and, and do what we want to do, we'll take it. Uh, it doesn't matter how strict the protocols are. We'll go with them at this point. Exactly. Coach, go ahead and give yourself a brief uh, introduction. Sure. Uh, Matt Griggs, um, the head men's basketball coach here at Mary Baldwin University in Stanton, Virginia. Um, it's a first-year program here. Uh, so we're, we're building the basketball program from scratch. Uh, Mary Baldwin used to be an all-women's college, and it went co-ed back in 2017. And um, since then, they've they've started to introduce men's sports. Um, so that's the next one coming online. Um, so I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that um, as we get going here, Coach. But uh, you know, prior to my time here at Mary Baldwin, I spent three and a half years um, at Roanoke College, just down the road. Had great times there, worked with a great coach in Clay Nunley and was a part of some some great teams there in the ODAT conference, one of the best conferences in Division Three basketball. Um, you know, the reason why it was a half year, I know that sounds kind of weird in, in coaching speak, was you know, because you know, when the, the job here opened up, they wanted me to come over in January to help give me some time to get things started here, which, you know, at the time, you know, it's a little bit uneasy leaving the team halfway through the season. But then when you look back at what's all taking place with COVID getting shut down and everything like that, I'm actually very thankful because it gave me a few months to, you know, really recruit and, and do all the things before, you know, lockdowns prevented that from happening. So I was happy I was able to do that. So, um, you know, prior to my three and a half years at Roanoke, I um, actually spent three years uh, down at Winthrop University. Um, so that's where I got to cut my teeth in the coaching business and, and where I got my first job, you know, after I graduated and finished playing myself and um, had three great years down there in Rock Hill uh, working for Pat Kelsey, another great coach and um, had a great experience doing that. Uh, prior to that, I played um, college basketball at Center College, a small school in Danville, Kentucky, a division three school there, um, was a part of some some really good teams and had a great experience there overall. And you know, prior to that, you know, born and raised Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, so I'm starting to loop, I think, through the southeast. Started in the north, went to Kentucky, South Carolina. Now I'm starting to make my way back north a little bit. Um, we'll see if I end up, you know, doing a full circle. But 
I like where I'm at now. I, I love the South, and hopefully I'll be here for a long time. I love it, Coach. You know, you're definitely a guy who, you know, roughly the same age as me, but I really look up to, I, you know, I respect the hell out of, you know, what you've accomplished, work ethic. So, you know, I was really glad to accept the invitation to come on the podcast. Yeah, I appreciate that, you know, and, and when I saw your – that you started to do your podcast, I kind of thought in the back of my mind, huh, that'd be interesting if you ever reached out to me um, to do that. Cause you know, I, I listen to podcasts, especially coaching podcasts all the time. You know, it's pretty much my go-to when, whenever I go on these long recruiting trips that, you know, we're all too familiar with and um, you know, the radio and music gets old pretty quickly and I love doing the podcast thing. So, you know, the, the rising coaches podcasts, um, you know, all the different, you know, basketball ones I'm into. And when I saw you start to do yours as well, I started to, to listen into that a little bit. And you know, when you sent me that message to come on here, I was like, oh, man, <laughs> I'm excited to do it. You know, it's the first time being being involved in something like that. So I appreciate it. Oh, no problem, man. So uh, talk about your, your upbringing. Talk about growing up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. Um, so Cincinnati, Ohio, great city. Love that place. Um you know, big time Bengals fan, unfortunately, big time Reds fan, unfortunately. You know, it's, it's it's tough to be a fan of those two franchises, but you know, I, I still live and die with them. Um, but yeah, I grew up in a family with, you know, three other brothers. Um, and, you know, we were pretty much all into sports and, you know, basketball in particular. And so it was a very competitive family, you know, growing up, um, you know, you pretty much, you know, play all the different sports, football, basketball, baseball. Once I got into high school, um, you know, I had it in my mind at that point that I wanted to try to be a college basketball player. So, you know, I kind of put everything I had, you know, into that there. And, you know, the school I, that I went to, you know, it was, it was a suburban public school, very, very, you know, highly regarded academic oriented, you know, public school in the, out in the suburbs of Cincinnati. Not one that's that's really known for athletics and basketball in particular. Um, they do have a pretty good, you know, historically good football program there. But, you know, basketball, you know, wasn't necessarily what the school held its hat on. But that was, you know, everything for me. Um, so, so coming up through there, you know, it was trying to, to find out, you know, how we can, you know, gain respect in the city of Cincinnati with our basketball program there. And, you know, fortunately, we got a little bit better, you know, each year throughout my high school career. And then my senior year, you know, we had a really good season. Um, I think I finished like 21 and three or something like that. We actually ended up winning two games against the, the champions of the, the Cincinnati Public League, and including a state tournament game against them. So so that felt really good to kind of get that validation and, and respect from the city as, as a good high school basketball team there. And, um, so it was a, it was a really good, you know, last year, good, good last senior year, um, basketball experience. You know, I think, I don't know what we ended up finishing, like in the state, I guess, in our division, which for a lot of people that, that doesn't sound like a very big accomplishment, but for us at the time, I thought that was the best thing ever. And, you know, the teams ahead of us were, you know, the Akron, St. Vincent, St. Mary's, LeBron schools, and, you know, Dunbar from Dayton for people that are aware of that program. And, you know, we were right there behind them. Um, so it was it was a great great senior year and a good last year of high school basketball. That's awesome. You know, talk about Center College and what made you be a student athlete there. Yeah, um, you know, I started to you know get involved in the recruiting process a little bit, you know, towards the end of my junior year, and you know, I had 
um, some very light interest from some scholarship schools, some some low level D1s and, and some Division twos. But, you know, when I'm saying light interest, this is, you know, just, just letters and emails and maybe a call or two. But, you know, nothing that really made me think at the time that I was that level of a player, even though just like anyone I wanted to be. And at times you probably think you're a little bit better than you actually are, you know, especially now that you get the perspective of a coach. And <laughs> sometimes I look back at myself and I'm like, man, you really weren't that good as you thought you were. Like, I don't know what you were thinking. But, um, but you know, because of that, I really started to focus on Division three schools. And my dad actually played Division three basketball at Rose Woman over in Indiana. Um, so I had, you know, familiarity with, with the level of play and still understood that, you know, it's a very, very high level of basketball. Um, so I started to, you know, get recruited by some D3 schools kind of in the region. Um, and, you know, did my visits and, and learned a lot about different places. Um, and I actually had an uncle that went to Center College and he played basketball there and was on one of their final four teams. Um, so that's a little bit of where that connection started. And then Coach Greg Mason there, great coach, um, started recruiting me. And, you know, there's a couple of reasons why I ended up choosing Center. You know, number one, they recruited me harder than any other school. Um, so that always stood out to me. And I really loved, you know, in addition to it being a phenomenal academic school, which, you know, fit what I was looking for and the size of the school and all that. I really loved the conference that Center played in. Um, at the time, it was the SCAC, the, the Southern Collegiate Athletic Conference. And, you know, we had teams in that conference from everywhere. You know, you had Center in Kentucky, you had DePaul up in Indiana, um, going down to Tennessee and Suwannee, go down to Georgia and you have Oglethorpe down there. Um, you go to Mississippi and you got Jackson, you go to Alabama, you got Birmingham Southern. And then, you know, at the time, the Texas schools um, were in there with us as well. So you got Trinity out in San Antonio and Austin College and you know, even Colorado College you know, out in Colorado Springs. So I'm looking at that and I'm like, man, this feels like a Division One conference. Like we're going to fly to conference games and travel and get to see all these different places. And, you know, that's really what what sold me on that was the overall experience um, that playing basketball at a place like Center could bring. Wait a second. So you guys actually flew because when I was sitting there in the SCAC, we flew to Colorado College and that was it. We had them eight-hour bus rides, man. Yeah, we well, we had some long bus rides too. So the only places we would fly to would be Colorado or the Texas schools. Okay. Um, but I mean, we had, you know, that drive from Jackson, Mississippi to Danville, Kentucky is a long one <laughs> on, on a bus. You know, you're going 10 plus you know, hours with stops and everything like that. And, you know, we traveled with the women's team, which I think they probably you know, still do in that conference. Um, so it's not like, you know, you're spread out on the bus and everyone gets their own row and leg room and all that. It's, you know, two to, you know, each row and you're sitting right next to, you know, you're six, six you know, power forward and then for 12 hours, but it, it, it's fun. You know, at the time, you know, you don't know any better. So you think it's, it's the best thing ever. You're traveling to all these, you know, different big cities and great schools to be able to play college basketball, which, you know, really all I wanted. So I had a phenomenal experience with it. Now you guys changed conferences while you were here, correct? We did. So uh, up through my junior year, we were in the SCAC, and then um, at some point in there, the the conference decided to split. So basically, um, I think the SCAC at the time prior to that was in two divisions. So there was the Eastern Division, and then there was the Western Division. 
So the Eastern Division split off from the West and then added Barry um, down in, in, in Georgia, which is transitioning from NAIA at the time, I believe. And so that gave us eight schools, you know, just kind of ourselves. And so they were able to form a new conference from that, um, so that's where the, the Southern Athletic Association formed from that. So we had to play our so my senior year was the first year of um, the Southern Athletic Association. But we were familiar with all those schools already. So it really wasn't that different other than we no longer got that nice trip out to San Antonio to see Trinity in the middle of December when it's 65 degrees. We couldn't couldn't do that. <laughs> okay, yeah. I was wondering if there was really a, a change in style of play. But, yeah, I mean, that would make sense that you're still playing with the same teams. Yeah, yeah, it was the same. You know, the it it was I guess a little bit different that last year because we didn't have our the conference didn't have an automatic bid anymore, so we played into that that pool B bid for all the the independent schools. But the way it just shook out that year um, in Division Three, at least it was, you know, all the best pool B teams were the teams in our our conference, the new conference. So essentially, it was you know, the winner of the conference tournament was going to get that bid anyway. So it still felt, you know, the same. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Uh, you, you're, you end up at Winthrop mm-hmm. as a graduate. What was the connection to Pat Kelsey and for his staff? At yeah. So, I mean, really there's, there was no concrete connection. You know, when I was finishing um, my senior year, you know, I knew I wanted to get into college coaching. Um, I tried to do a few things as an undergraduate to, to help prepare me for a little bit. I, I did the camp circuit. So I, um, you know, where I was located in Kentucky, um, I obviously worked University of Kentucky camps. And, you know, this was at the time when it was like Coach Cal's first few years. And one of the years there, they had just won the national championship with AD and those guys. Um, so I so did a bunch of camps there, did a bunch of camps up at um, Indiana and actually went out and, and worked an NBA camp um, out in Oklahoma City. Um, I had a connection out there with the guy that ran the camps up there. So so did the camp circuits. And then, you know, when I was kind of that spring of my senior year, um, when all the coaching changes were going on, I just sent started sending out my information to anyone and everyone that I thought there might be, you know, some kind of connection. Um, you know, whether it was a, a new coach who I thought might be looking, you know, for, for GAs and things like that, or some connection of like the sixth degree that I might be able to formulate in probably my own mind, but not, not actually being realistic. I, I mean, I'm sending out resumes and, and all that kind of stuff everywhere just to try to get my foot in the door. Um, and, and the way it actually worked out you know, at, at Winthrop. So coach Kelsey's from Cincinnati um, has a, his, his family's there, big, you know, Kelsey family in Cincinnati is very prominent family. A lot of people know them there. There's a lot of connections with them there, especially in in high school basketball and some of those circles. Um, So I guess what happened was when he had a graduate assistant spot open for for some reason, when I emailed him like two months prior to that, the fact that I was from Cincinnati caught his eye. And I think he went back through and and saw my information again and saw a couple references that I had from the Cincinnati area that he was familiar with. And he reached out to them and I, they gave me a, a good recommendation. And I woke up you know, one Saturday morning in June um, after I graduated and had a text from Coach Kelsey basically saying, 
Hey, it's Pat Kelsey from Winthrop University. Are you interested? Are you still interested in our graduate assistant spot? <laughs> and then at that point, I'm freaking out because I don't I'd never expected that in a million years to happen. And then I start getting a few calls from, again, some of those connections in the Cincinnati area. And then you know, Coach Kelsey called me later that night. You know, the rest of his coaching staff called me um, later that night as well. And we spoke with them. And, you know, I, I you know, really kind of to continue the story. Uh, I'm sorry I'm going off on a tangent here, but, you know, I think what really kind of set me above the rest of the pack and the people that he, um, you know, maybe interested in talking to at the point was the connection that I built immediately with Mark Prosser. Um, Cause he was on the staff at the time and he called me just, you know, introduce himself, learn a little bit more about each other, that sort of thing. And, you know, we started talking a lot about Cincinnati and about Xavier and his dad, Skip, and how when I was a kid, I was, you know, one of those guys who showed up at every single Xavier basketball camp and, you know, almost developed a little bit of a personal relationship with you know, Skip Prosser. He would see me coming in the gym every day and would yell my name and, and all that kind of stuff. And I just think that, you know, touched, uh, you know, Mark in a little bit more personal level. And so a couple of days later, um, he texts me and says, hey, Coach Kelsey is flying into Dayton's airport. You know, I think it would be a good idea if you, you really want this, go track him down and then sit him down and almost like make him give you an interview on the spot right there. Um, so I did that. And, you know, and a couple of days later, Coach Kelsey's offered me the job. So it, it's funny how things like that work out sometimes. Oh, that's awesome. That's a definitely I, I think coaches can learn from that who are getting into the business. You know, what at the time, what was the compensation like as a graduate assistant in the Big South? Yeah, it's, it's pretty much do anything and everything that coaches and, and players ask of you to do. Um, you know, you're, you know, checking classes, um, you're helping, you know, your, your academic um, people in the athletic department to, um, you know, keep an eye on your guys, making sure they stay on top of, of those kind of things. Um, you're working with meals, you're, you're aiding in travel, you're aiding in film. Um, you know, you're, you're, becoming a practice player also essentially you know there's times like you got to throw on a reversible jersey and go out there and, and be dummy defense for three straight hours of you know small group workouts and things and things like that you pretty much do absolutely everything um and, and at the time when, when you don't know any better as a young coach it's just you know it, it's just what you do and you just you know put your head down um you know don't argue anything and just show up and and work as hard as you possibly can and Try not to screw up too much. Try not to ruin any, you know, drills as much as possible, and just do the best job you can, um, and, and try to work that way. So yeah, that that was pretty much, you know, my first year there as a GA was just doing a little bit of everything. Were they able to at least you know, give you housing or meals or anything? I know that, you know, kind of the one bid conference GAs can kind of be a, a tough situation financially. Yeah, it actually wasn't bad. Um, we didn't get housing. I had to find my own housing, but, um, you know, tuition was completely taken care of. And then there was a small stipend within that. I don't know what it actually ended up being per, per year. You know, it was maybe a couple hundred dollars per month or something like that. So that helped a little bit with, you know, some of your general expenses, food and rent and that kind of thing. Um, but I was fortunate. Our uh, video coordinator there at the time and our ops guy at the time, um, I kind of hit it off with them, you know, pretty quickly when I first got down there. Um, they, they actually, you know, let me come, you know, live with them 
for that first year. So that helped me uh, be able to afford, you know, my, my own place because, you know, they were able to get me in on their lease. Um, so that helped out a lot. And I spent the first month down there on a manager's couch, um, which, you know, is, is one of those things that you got to do what you got to do to get into it. Um, and then I was able to get an apartment with those guys and, and that made things a little better from there. I love hearing things like that, man. Just other, you know, guys paying their dues. Yeah, you know, you, you got to get into it. And I also knew at the time, like, and, and I still kind of look at this at myself this way sometimes. Like, I'm a, I'm a nobody in the, the college basketball world. Like, I played Division three basketball. I was an okay player. I wasn't, in, you know, all conference or all American or, you know, anything like that. I was a part of some good teams, fortunately. But, you know, I wasn't a Division one player. I don't have a, a big name behind me. Like, so I was just thankful to get anything you know i remember you know walking out of the office you know the first day after that that first 12-hour day at winthrop and you know looking back and staring at the winthrop coliseum and thinking like i can't believe i'm in division one <laughs> what am i doing here let's just let's just do the best job i can not to screw this up um, but yeah you know to your, to your point it's it's interesting when you look back and, and you see how things work out sometimes yeah no so you ended up being promoted to video coordinator. You actually finished your your graduate your master's program. I did, um, and uh, I'll give you know the credit to Coach Kelsey for that. That he trusted me and allowed me to do that on my own time, and you know knew that it wouldn't sacrifice you know what I needed to do for my duties as the video coordinator. Um, so I was I was thankful for that, and that that's something that. You know, I, I made it a point that I wanted to do. And, I, you know, I asked him if I could do that when he offered me the video coordinator position because I was halfway through my master's degree. And, you know, I, I understand, you know, going up through the coaching world, you know, that can look pretty good on your resume, especially, you know, when if you're going to be coaching at smaller schools. And I had that Division three background. So I knew that, you know, a master's degree can sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, it can hold a little bit of weight and maybe getting your foot in the door and, and some interviews and things like that when you have that, you know, next to your name. So, yeah, I made it a point to go ahead and, you know, spend spend my own dime, pretty much spend my video coordinator salary to um, my last year of graduate school. I love it. You know, went through three straight Big South Conference Finals. They couldn't get over the hump. Yeah, don't remind me about that. Oh, well, <laughs> here's here's going to be the uh, – topic so after you moved on to Roanoke that first year they made it to the tournament and played against Butler right part of you that wished you were still on staff let's be honest um I, I wouldn't go that far but I would say when I saw them I actually went to the game um at the the Winthrop Coliseum when they won it and came down on the court and, you know, said hey to, you know, all my friends and, you know, some of the players I, I still knew and that kind of stuff. And, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, lie and say I wasn't a little bit jealous um, that, that they were getting to experience that. And, you know, I was close to being able to get a piece of, you know, that the, a Division One conference net, you know, for three years in a row. But I also had a great first year and a great experience at, at Roanoke that first year as well on um, – so, yeah, I definitely wasn't second-guessing the move or anything like that. But, yes, you know, I, I did wish that I had the chance to, to, you know, have the guys win it and cut down the net and then, you know, 
be in March Madness, you know, the big March Madness. I'm not going to lie. I, I did miss that a little bit. Yeah, you know, I've interviewed a few guys kind of similar situation. That's kind of the the consensus. You know, yeah, you're a part of it, but, you know, you're happy where you got your two feet, ten toes pointed where you're, uh, where you're at. And I know that, uh, you know, just makes you even hungrier to the, the Division Three tournament. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and the funny thing is, too, when I left Winthrop, I was leaving kind of the same time as um, the GA at the time, and we both roomed together. And when we were leaving, you know, we were just talking about our experience there and everything. And we said, they're going to win next year. There's no question about it. They're going to they're going to get it for a fourth straight year. And I think I think we knew at the time that the winner of the conference regular season would get to host that next year. You know, the three years we did it, there was, I, I guess, a neutral site's not the right term, but it was a predetermined host in the conference. So the first two years we were at um, Coastal Carolina, even yep. though they didn't win the regular season. Um, but, you know, they had that home court advantage in the conference tournament and then they beat us two years in the championship game. And then you know, the, the third year, um, Campbell hosted it. Now, we didn't play Campbell in, in the championship, so it was a true neutral site game that year. But then the fourth year after we left, we knew the Big South was going to um, you know, true host sites again with, with the highest seed host. And we were like, all right, Winthrop, we knew who they had coming back. We're like, they're going to win this thing next year for sure. And, and we're going to be talking about it on Selection Sunday, how, <laughs> how, how we knew this was going to happen. So I thought that was kind of funny that it did. Uh, but very happy for those guys. You know, they, they earned it, and they definitely uh, went through the gauntlet those three years of losing it and getting to a, a fourth year and, and being able to get over the hump then. You know, you accept the job at, at Robinson for uh, you know, were there any other positions that you were entertaining or, uh, you know, piqued your interest? You know, there really wasn't. Um, you know, at, at that time, I was totally content to either stay at Winthrop or, you know, if, if something happened with one of the coaches on staff, got a new job or, if, you know, Coach Kelsey got a new job, I was planning to you know, kind of ride their coattails a little bit and, and see how far um, that took me. Um, so my experience there was great and really had no intentions of leaving. The, the way the Roanoke thing came about, um, I was just, uh, again, with, with Coach Prosser, we were at lunch one day and just looking over, I guess, you know, the coaching changes on Twitter. And, you know, he saw that Clay Nunley got the job at Roanoke and they had a prior relationship to when they were both, uh, both assistant coaches in the Patriot League. And out of nowhere, he's just kind of reading a tweet and he's like, hey, my boy, uh, Clay Nunley got the job at, at Roanoke. I know that that's in the ODAC. That's a, a really good D3 conference. And I knew a little bit about, you know, Roanoke, too, just from my experience in Division Three. And he said, kind of jokingly says, you want me to text him and uh, see if I can get you in there? <laughs> I just said, uh, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, didn't think anything of it. And you know, lo and behold, you know, Clay calls me that night. And we start talking about it. And then a couple weeks later, I'm up at Roanoke. Oh, that's awesome. I know you guys have that there. You're obviously promoted to the associate head coach uh, during your three years, three and a half years there. Talk about what it felt like to be recognized by the head coach, uh, you know, just for working hard and your diligent work to be promoted to the associate head coach. Yeah, it, it definitely felt you know, really good. But, you know, Clay has been great about that, 
you know, through the entirety of, of my three and a half years um, at Roanoke and being appreciative of, you know, what I did there. And, you know, he, he pushed me as well. You know, he, he did certain things to get me out of my comfort zone um, to try to grow myself as a coach because he knew that, you know, my goal was to be a college head coach. Um, so he would, you know, constantly ask me to think of things as a head coach would, or what would I do in a certain situation? And, you know, when, when jobs were coming open, you know, in the spring, if he saw something on, on Twitter, he would ask me about it and say, if this is something that you're interested in, let me know. I'll put in a call for you. I'll send an email for you. I'll see if anyone has any contacts over there. And, you know, he, he didn't have to do that. And, uh, you know, not every coach, you know, does do that. Um, but, but Clay was great for that. And that's something I'm always going to be appreciative for him, and, you know, about because he, he understood my goals and he wanted to do everything in his power to, to help me reach the goals. And, you know, I, I think that that goes back to, you know, the associate head coach title. I think, you know, yes, he, he wanted to recognize me and what I've done for the program, but I think he also understood, Hey, this might be a way to, you know, help you and help your resume stand out to put associate head coach, you know, on there. So I want to go ahead and do this for you and let's see if that helps you get your, your foot in the door anywhere. So yeah, it, it was a good feeling and very appreciative of coach Nunley for doing that. What were some of the camps that you worked as a division three assistant coach? Um, so, I mean, when I was at Roanoke, I actually didn't end up working too many camps and the way things kind of worked for us and our recruiting, we were out all the time. Um, and so I was, it almost felt like a, a division one, you know, recruiting structure, so to speak. And that, you know, when July hits, we're gone for those three weeks and we're going to all the live periods, but we're also doing everything in June because we can at the division three level. So we're going to team camps and we're doing, you know, different things like that and going to all kinds of showcases. So I never really had the opportunity, um, not that I was prevented necessarily from doing it, but to go out and work camps while I was a, a Division three um, assistant coach, which I know is a little bit different because that's what a lot of um, Division three assistants do. Um, but, you know, we we had our own camps. We ran three sessions of camps at Roanoke that were really big and then we grew them over the years to be great camps so we did those and other than that it was on the road recruiting all summer long gotcha you know roanoke and you talk about the odak being a gauntlet you know my opinion the acc of d3 mm -hmm. talk about the level of competition in the odak especially the top half of the conference yeah i mean it, it's great it's i mean you get great basketball players in general great athletes it's just it's just a phenomenal basketball conference. Um, you know, I think, you know, if you look at the, I guess, first team all conference lists every year in the ODAC, probably every single one of those kids are scholarship players. Um, yep. And, it, you know, a couple of them are probably division one level scholarship players. And every year there's guys that graduate from the ODAC that get professional contracts. Um, we had a kid two years ago, Josh Freund, who was a two-year first team, you know, all-conference guy, conference player of the year for us. Um, you know, he got his first professional contract in the top division in Israel. I mean, and he, you know, you look at his roster and the other Americans that are on his team, you know, he's got a, a guy from Michigan on his team, a guy from Washington on his team, a guy from Kansas on his team. And then you got Josh Freund from Roanoke College. 
Um, so it, it goes to show you like the talent level is is certainly really high in ODAC. The coaching is really good. You know, every every game is tough from top to bottom. And then the conference tournament that they run at the Salem Civic Center is special. Um, I, I think it, it's probably the only Division Three conference tournament that runs at, I guess, you know, a, a neutral site, so to speak, even though, you know, for us at Roanoke, it was about a mile and a half from campus. So we certainly weren't complaining about that. <laughs> but to be able to go to that sort of arena type setting, great crowds, everyone, you know, from the conference comes in for the week you play. You know, the opening round games are at host sites, but from then it's, you know, quarterfinals, finals, championship games, Salem Civic Center, you know, great platform there. And it's just a, a phenomenal experience for, for those players. You know, talk about some of the relationships with other coaches in the conference, Division Three in general, uh, you know, that you've developed over the Yeah, you know, it's – it's interesting in that Division Three goes back to the recruiting stuff. You can, you know, really be out on the road pretty much, you know, all the time as long as you can figure out a way to, to work that within your recruiting budget. You know, you can go everywhere, um, and so you're out so often that you you start seeing, you know, familiar faces and you you start seeing um, the same guys. So whether it's you know, you know, the guys over at uh, you know Randolph Macon. Coach Merkel over there, you, you see him out all the time. You see the guys at Guilford, you know, all the time. Coach Palumbo, Coach Thomas, you know, all, all those guys. And you'll even see the, you know, the Washington and Lee guys out, the Lynchburg guys out. It's just, you know, you, you start to develop that bond a little bit, especially, you know, amongst assistant coaches because you understand that everyone's kind of in the same boat, going through the same exact things, you know, dealing with, you know, the, the same challenges and, but here you are. You're, you're at the same gym, and, and you start to develop friendships that way, and you know those kind of things. You know, carry with you for a long time. Hopefully, you know forever. I'm still kind of, you know, I guess, a little bit younger in this coaching game, um, but I have some great relationships that have been built. You know, off that you know mutual respect of being an assistant coach in the same league. And the relationships that come with that you know, are, are genuine and, and they're good because of those things. No, that, that definitely, uh, I definitely feel the same way about that. Yeah, when, uh, when I was Catholic and we went to go play you guys in our uh, our scrimmage and he came there and, you know, I would say he's a basketball fan, but, you know, he's not a, a basketball coach. You know, he doesn't know the X's and O's really. And he just, he could see the scoreboard. And afterwards, man, he was just like, Hey, if it makes you feel any better, they're going to be really good this year. So they're going to put a, a, a whooping on a lot of besides you guys. Yeah, so you you had the experience, uh, you know, going against Josh Freund, you know, in person. <laughs> he was a he, he was a special player. I think that was his going into his senior year too, and yep. he he was on a mission that year um, for sure. And you know, he loved you know, you know we hyped him up too because I think you you guys had one or two pretty good bigs that year. And we hyped him up before and, you know, kind of tried to say, hey, you know, they, they got a couple good bigs. You know, they might be as good as you. Like, what are you going to do about it? That kind of thing. And that usually, like, if you could get a little fire under his belly, like, there wasn't too many battles, that kid was going to lose. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. I mean, he he, he kicked our ass. <laughs> there, there was a clip where we had our, you know, last guys on the bench. They got in the game. And one of your guys – went through all five of them 
and I clipped that, and we had to watch it. I think it was like 20 times in a row. <laughs> and our coach was basically like, okay, who's going to be the first guy to puke from watching this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what those those scrimmages are for, you know, and, and it'll give you a little idea of where your team's at. But, you know, at the same time, like, you know, to go on the flip side, we thought we played pretty well in that scrimmage, but then we went and lost our first game of the year and didn't play that well. Um, so it's sometimes it really doesn't make much of a difference. Yeah, no, you're right about that. If you weren't coaching basketball, what would you be doing for a living? Oh, I'd be teaching for sure. I would teach middle school social studies. One one hundred percent. I I you know did my undergraduate degree in, in history and education and and loved it. Went through student teaching, got my teaching certificate. You know all that kind of stuff. I actually had a teaching job um, that I accepted that I was in line for. Um, if it wasn't for um, the thing at Winthrop happening, you know, that summer, um, I was, you know, I, I wanted to get into coaching, and I, you know, I thought that was, you know, an ultimate goal. But I also loved teaching, and you know, loved, you know, just 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 working with kids, and you know, I, I loved history and government and civics and things like that. So, yeah, if, if something happens with coaching and I get out of this profession. You know, you'll probably find me at some, you know, random middle school somewhere, just teaching, you know, U.S. history and uh, maybe coaching middle school basketball. <laughs> well, hopefully, that's many, many, many years from now. After <laughs> long and retired on your maybe own. retirement plan. <laughs> so you're named the first head coach Mary Ball in men's basketball program history. In December of 2009, how excited was that? How difficult was it to leave Roanoke midseason? Yeah, I mean, I was both very excited and it was very difficult. Um, and you know, a little bit too. It's you know, when you think about, you know, I used to think, hey, you know, what's it going to be like when I get that call that I actually get that head coaching job, and how excited I'm going to be about that. You also don't think about the time frame that that, that would be because usually that's in you know April, May, the summer, you know, when things are slowing down at your current job and you can kind of take the time to, you know, kind of revel in that, or maybe that's not the right term, but you know, really reflect on, you know, what just happened to you and the change. Um, here I, I got offered the job in November and it was weird. We had a game that night. <laughs> so it was like, oh uh, awesome, I got the job and you know, walk into coaching on these office and say, Hey, yeah, they just called me and offered me the job. And, um, you know, it gives me a hug. Congratulations. And then, all right, the bus is outside. We got to go down to Pfeiffer and play a game and try to win that game. So you never, I never really had the time to you know, kind of think about you know, what just happened. And it was right at the beginning of the season. And, you know, thankfully, um, you know, I know we talked a little bit about this in the beginning, but, um, to go back to the time frame of how this all happened, you know, I was offered the position in November. Thankfully, Mary Baldwin did not, you know, want me to come on board or ask me to come on board right away. You know, right as the season at Roanoke was starting, they, you know, they didn't want me to stay the whole season there because, you know, they wanted to give me enough time to be able to, you know, re recruit an entire roster and get everything ready for this year and and do that. But they allowed me to stay at Roanoke through the um, new year, pretty much. So that gave me, you know, all of non-conference play, even a few conference games to be able to stay at Roanoke and, 
kind of help coach Nunley, you know, with the transition of everything and, you know, losing me and having, you know, he's able to get another guy to come in and volunteer to help get him through the season. So to kind of help that guy a little bit, um, you know, it's tough, you know, you're there for you know three and a half years, that senior class, I essentially came in with them and was really close with all those guys. And, you know, we had a lot of success, but also hadn't gotten over the hump yet, you know, at Roanoke. Um, you know, we, we made it to the conference championship one year and, and unfortunately lost there. So, you know, it was kind of one of those things where you want to finish the job and you want to see it through. But it's also an opportunity that, you know, these things don't come around often. Um, so if you think it's a good fit, which I thought it was a good fit for me, I had to take it. Um, but thankfully, the transition process was spread out over a couple months. That made it a little bit easier. Okay. Talk about your first week, first month, first 100 days on the job, uh, Mary Baldwin. Yeah, you know, it, it was different because I don't have a team here. Or I, I do now. I didn't have a team at the time. So it was like get here, you know, kind of try to get situated in the office, meet as many people around campus as you can, learn as much about the school as you can, see how they do things and how they operate, and then go recruiting and try to bring in as many guys as you can to, you know, fill a roster because, you know, without all the COVID stuff, we're planning on playing a a full season this year, even though it wouldn't have been in a conference and really wouldn't have been an official division three season. We are still going to, you know, get a bunch of games against some junior colleges, maybe some prep schools and things like that, just to give all the guys we bring in first year, a a decent first year experience. Um, So that, that was the main thing just, getting out and, you know, talking to kids, talking to coaches, trying to convince them to come to a school where, you know, at the time, if they knew anything about Mary Baldwin, it was that it was an all-women's college. So it's, you know, working on getting them over that perception. And then, you know, once we get kids here, the school really sells itself at that point because the campus is phenomenal. You know, it's a block off of Main Street, Stanton, Virginia, which is a great town. And, you know, almost like a hub here in the Shenandoah Valley with tons of great restaurants and, you know, things to do. And, you know, if we can get kids here to see it, you know, they generally come away impressed and thinking that this place is more and and better than what they thought it would be. Um, But being able to do that first is is a little bit challenging because you got to get over the, I guess, misrepresentation that's kind of out there in the, the general public view of the university. Yeah. And I mean, it, while it's definitely tough to be a first-year program, you know, you got points of, hey, there's going to be a lot more females than men, and you're automatically going to be the all-time winning class in, uh, in program history. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you're, you're jokingly, you know, tell the guys, like, hey, like you said, we win the game, you become the, the all-time winningest team in the history of this university, and, you know, if we win a game, I'm the all-time winningest coach here, so everyone's happy. So we just got to We got to get to that point. Just win one, and then we'll see what happens from there. You recently, you know, you guys announced the hiring of your coach. What qualities were you looking for in the assistant coach? Yeah, um, you know, well, for us, we're limited with what we can do for an assistant coaching salary. Um, to to start with, to kind of set this up, so you know. I'm looking, I was, well, was at the time, you know, thinking, hey, whoever I can get in here who might just be hungry to get into coaching, get their foot in the door, understand that, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to pay them very much. 
Um, but if it's like, you know, you look back to my time at Winthrop, like if I can find someone who, you know, wants to take it as, hey, it's a situation to get my foot in the door, you know, whatever they want me to do there, whatever ways I can help the program, I'm not too worried about, you know, money, I'll just, you know, figure it out and work hard. You know, that was the ideal situation um, that I was looking for. Um, so hopefully, you know, I think I think I found a great guy who um, is going to be coming up here in a few weeks who, you know, has some really good experience, you know, spent time as a, um, a high school varsity coach, spent some time as a GA himself in Division One, so he kind of understands, you know, that aspect of it and, and the grind of things that come with it. Um, so I was thrilled, you know, that um, – you know, I was able to get someone with his level of experience, but it also goes back to showing you and, you know, everyone that wants to get in the profession, how hard it really is to break in. Because some people might think, hey, a, a brand new Division three program um, that is you know, only you know, paying their assistant coaches, you know, a few thousand dollars, you know, that, that job shouldn't be too hard to get. And then, you know, you post something on Hoop Dirt, and you're going to get 75 applications and you'll get guys that already have Division One college level experience, already have head varsity experience at a high level. Um, so it just goes to show you it, it's hard to break into the profession. It really is. That's awesome. Uh, you know, I know you picked up for an Anthony Reyes. What were your expectations for, you know, this upcoming season and, and you know, talk about some uh, yeah, you know, I, I really just wanted to, you know, number one, um, just get a roster where we got enough guys that, that we can play games. And then, you know, number two, use this year to start building the culture that we want to have here and, you know, teach the guys you know, how we want to play, how we want to do things, how we practice, how hard we need to work, you know, all that kinds of stuff to, that goes into the culture of a, a competitive college basketball program. And, you know, use it almost as an experimental year. You know, the good thing for us is, you know, the guys that we bring in this year don't use a year of eligibility um, because we're essentially like a, a club team is really what we are um, for the first year. So we can put, we can practice, we can play some, you know, exhibitions or whatever. Um, you know, we don't play against any, you know, NCAA teams. We might play some JV teams out there or what have you, but it's just, it's almost like, you know, a redshirt year for all these freshmen that come in. So it's a year to you know, practice and get better, build our team chemistry, build our team culture, get these guys a year of college level experience under their belt. Hopefully that, that sets us up to, you know, maybe be more ready in year two. Um, cause it's a difficult, you know, going into that first year of conference, whenever a new program is starting and you're a bunch of freshmen, and sophomores, there are a bunch of juniors and seniors, and, you know, that can be hard. Um, uh, but hopefully, you know, the way we're doing it here, um, being able to get that first year of experience, we'll get our guys more ready for that. And maybe we can be a little bit more competitive than we would have been otherwise. Um, but as far as the recruiting went, you know, I'm very, very pleased with what we were able to do. You know, this first year, I actually think we may have, you know, been able to some surprise some people, you know, in the region that, you know, when they're on Twitter and they're seeing some of these kids that that committed to us and maybe wouldn't have thought we'd be able to get, you know, that level of kid, you know, this quick here, Mary um, Baldwin. But again, you know, these kids still haven't stepped on the court yet, still haven't been in a practice and played a game, and you never know truly what you get until we, until we're at that point. But you know, I'm pleased with what we're able to do the first year. I think it, it's you know, laid the, the the cornerstone for us, so to speak. And if we can keep doing things the right way, keep working hard and, and keep recruiting well and building, 
you know, I, I think we have some promise here and we have some good potential. I love it, Coach. You know, come to the segment I call Start Bench Cut. Give you okay. three things. You start one, bench one, and cut one. Okay. Start off with an easy one. Nike or Armour? Okay, good one. Um, we're, we're starting Nike. Our athletic department uh, signed a Nike deal um, last year. So, got to stick with them. And uh, I like some of our, our, our uniforms and stuff that we got coming in to – um, you know, get get the Mary Baldwin brand on some men's basketball gear. Pretty excited about that. So we're starting Nike. Um, we're benching. Uh, I'm going to go with is it Under Armour and Adidas were my two options, right? Correct. I'm going to go with Under Armour. I, I actually like Under Armour's, you know, basketball gear. I'm not, you know, the biggest fan of, of the shoes, I guess, but everything else I love. And the good thing about Under Armour is all their sizes – are coordinated and match up perfectly. So when you find your size, you know, you know, whatever you order, whether it's a polo, a t-shirt, a long sleeve shirt, a jacket, it's going to fit you. You know, I'm not going to call out any other brand specifically, but you know, you, you hate it when your, your polo size is different from your long sleeve T size and you're trying to figure all this stuff out. Under Armour was great with that. So that's why I'm going you know, with Under Armour over Adidas. Uh, Jordan, LeBron, Kobe. Uh, we're starting Jordan. I don't need to explain too much with that one. He, <laughs> it's, it's not even close in my mind. Um, he's, there's just, there's different stuff there about, uh, I'm probably, I don't know. I mean, the other two are close. Um, I guess I, I think I'm going to bench LeBron, um, and, and cut Kobe, which that, that sounds, that sounds so hard to say that now that I'm, I'm saying it out loud. Um, but I, as far as just like career goes and, you know, the fact that LeBron is still continuing to play, is still going to continue to get all-star games and accolades and, and things like that, um, I, I guess I'll put him there. So it would be Jordan's number one, and then I'll go 2A is LeBron, 2B is Kobe. Okay. Hey, and, and listeners already know where you were born, so you don't need to say anything else. Right. <laughs> uh, cookout, Bojangles, Chick-fil-A. We're starting cookout. That is, you know, I love cookout. And when I came to first time I experienced that was when I got to Rock Hill and someone said, do you want to go to cookout? And I said, like someone like a barbecue in someone's backyard. Like, what do you mean? Go to cookout. And they're like, no, it's a, a fast food restaurant. I said, uh, OK. And then went there and, and loved it and, and still love it. Thankfully, we have a cookout um, up here in Waynesboro, which is just about 15 minutes from from campus. So I can still indulge in that um you say you said zaxby's or bojangles uh bojangles chick-fil-a bojangles chick-fil-a okay i'll go chick-fil-a will be my bench uh, bojangles will be my cut i never really gotten to the bojangles um, too much I, I don't have a problem with it i think it's okay but uh, i guess that um you know this is probably sacrilege but i never you know thought it was really that different than like a, a Popeye's or a KFC or something like that. But um, Chick-fil-A has just got, you know, a, a little bit of a different level to what they, what they offer. And sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll be honest, I don't know what I want for lunch and I know I'm going to get that phenomenal customer service at Chick-fil-A and I'll just go there because of that. <laughs> I don't think you're alone, man. I'll say 
uh, numerous times. It's like, you know, I'd rather see somebody who smiles and doesn't, they don't have to love where they're working, but they don't have to, you know, they don't hate it. Yeah. It, it makes you feel better about, you know, what you're doing. You're getting that fast food and it's not good for you anyway. Um, so the person giving it to you might as well have a great attitude about it. <laughs> feel better. Okay. Uh, blue chips. He got game. Hoosiers. Ooh. Uh, that's that's funny you bring that up because I actually watched Blue Chips uh, a couple weeks ago, um, just uh, kind of out of the blue on on Amazon Prime. I guess I don't know if it was to um, get me in the mood for our students coming back to campus and, and coaching again or or what. Um, but I'll probably go start Blue Chips bench. He got game, um, but Hoosiers and okay. I'm Hoosiers and being from Cincinnati the the town that that movie is actually based off is, is in southeastern Indiana. So that's like an hour away from Cincinnati. So it's pretty much right there. And, and I liked it, but I don't know. He, he got game. It's just, it's just good. Yeah. <laughs> that's just a good movie. You know, Hoosiers is, is, is cool. It's nice, but yeah, I'll pick he got game over that one. Okay. Last one. Hoop dirt, D3 hoops, verbal commit, those three websites. Definitely D3 Hoops, number one. Those guys do a phenomenal job, and I'm not sure if they even really make any money for doing it. And the site is just loaded with content, loaded with information. Like when when you do a scouting report against someone, that's, you know, the first site you go to to you know, look at their schedules and, and get stats and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so definitely D3 Hoops starting. Um, I would say – you said a hoop dirt, right? Um, yep, and verbal commits. I'll probably go hoop dirt number two. Um, some some good information there, and I think you know everyone does the the hoop dirt thing in the spring once all the the changes and stuff start happening. Um, it's just a, you know a good source of information in general. And you know, for for me, verbal commits doesn't really do too much because you know being at the D three level, we're not really you know, too worried about that, I guess. So probably cut verbal commits. I'll, I will use it from time to time. If I see a kid and I think he's pretty good, that might be the, the first site I go to to <laughs> see if, all right, let's make sure this guy doesn't have like a bunch of, you know, division one offers or something like that. that that'll get a kid off the list pretty quickly. Um, yeah. I'll use the other two sites, you know, more often. Okay. Coach, who are three guests on the podcast? Three guests? Yep. You got to get Coach Brian Cloman from Winthrop. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. You know Coach Cloman. He is uh, just an, an interesting guy, fun guy, like one of the best relationship people I've ever met. Um, full of, of great ideas, full of, of great, you know, energy. Um, he would be a good one. Um, let's see. Um, two other guys, you know, I guess sticking with them. Um, you know, some of my D3 connections, you know, I, I'd pick, you know, Ronnie Thomas, um, who's, who's over at Guilford, associate head coach there. Um, I, I know you're probably familiar with him and I've met him as well. He, he's a great guy, a great coach, and, you know, he's going to be a head coach here sooner rather than later. Um, and for, for the third guy, you know, I think um, Coach Prosser over at Western Carolina now would be great. You know, he's a great coach. They had a great season last year. And, you know, he, he's got a great story um, as well. And just a genuine good guy um, to talk to. Um, I think he'd be a fun guy to have on. Awesome. 
Coach, what advice do you have for young coaches either trying to get into the business or work their way up? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, never be too good for an opportunity. You know, whether or not that, you know, whatever level that opportunity is, whatever position that opportunity is, you know, an opportunity to get into college basketball is great. I was extremely fortunate, and, I, and I'm thankful every day that – I was able to get my start in Division One at a phenomenal program, but that is, you know, the the exception to the norm. Um, so any opportunity is great, and when you get that opportunity, you know, the first piece of advice I got in coaching from Coach Kelsey when I was in the airport with him, you know, and I asked him kind of the same question. He just said, you know, when you get that opportunity, just crush it where you're at. I think is a term he used. Do the best possible job that you can there and let the dust settle from there. People will see how you work and people will, you know, you know, understand and come to appreciate your work ethic and the good things you do for the program. And then, you know, word will get out from there. You know, don't worry about things that you, you can't control. Um, that's one thing you can control is how well you do your job, you know, where you're at. So make sure you do a good job there. Those would be the two things I would say. Coach, if any listeners wanted to touch with you or email, so, uh, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, um, email address mkgriggs, uh, G-R-I-G-G-S, at marybaldwin.edu. Um, feel free to reach out to me on there. I'm very receptive um, to emails. Um, I, um, not a big, big social media guy. I dabble in the Twitter verse, you know, a, a little bit. And my handle is um, at MBU, Coach Griggs. Uh, with my last name with that and feel free to reach out to me there or, or on email and we'd be happy to, to talk with anyone that's interested. Coach, can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. I'll play running into the recruiting trails. Uh, it means I'm going to lose a kid to you guys. Uh, I'd rather him go play for you uh, than other people. I, I, I appreciate that coach. Um, that means a lot. Um, thanks again for having me on here and, you know, hopefully um, the, the recruiting world will, will open you know, up a little bit here soon. And, you know, either I'll see you on the road somewhere where we're both looking at some kids or, you know, maybe I'll be able to make it down to uh, your new spot and see what we can do there. No, you're actually you should be getting an email from me next week. Uh, got a couple kids that, you know, scholarship level, obviously, probably a load of it one. But we got a couple guys good D3 guys. Uh, so you should be getting an email from me next week. Perfect. Perfect. See, you know, for, for all the listeners, you see how these things work sometimes. You know, you never know where a recruiting lead comes from. So ho- hopefully, for my sake, there's not too many other D3 guys on here listening, and <laughs> I can get my foot in the door before everyone else. But if not, that, that's okay as well. Hey, I'll, I'll make sure you're the person I email to first. How about that? I, I appreciate that. We, we can work with that. Okay. Coach, uh, good luck the rest of this uh, this season, if and when we have. I know we will in some way, shape, or form, and uh, I look forward to following your career. Thanks, Coach. I appreciate it. Same to you, and I'll see you down the road. Sounds good, my friend. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Box Score podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave reviews, and rate five stars.